I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we welcome Scott Cipollina to talk about his year in review. That's coming up today and tomorrow and the next day on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. Before we get into our show today, I want to just make a couple announcements. Always send me an email to Matthew Aaron at decrypt.co. Uh, give us your 2022 wishes and desires for the show. How do you want to see it maybe revamped coming in the new year? I also want to hear your year in review. What are some of your biggest stories? And if we get enough responses to this, then I will do a show on the listeners' biggest crypto news stories of the year. Also, on Thursday... December 30th at 11 a.m. I will be on Decrypt's YouTube channel doing it live on my year in review, my biggest stories of the year. And finally, please, after this episode, stick around. There's additional material at the end of this episode. Scott and I started having a conversation after we recorded this, and, and it just turned into a debate where I said, hey, let's just press record and let the listeners listen to it. And that's what we did. So stick around at the end. Now let's get into those crypto prices. And I'm recording this at 11.38 Eastern Standard Time. And Bitcoin is sitting at $48,342, down 6% in 24. And I have no clue why it dropped so bigly over the past 24 hours. We were up around 51000 We had a great Christmas rally. And now it just like just all went away. I have no clue what's going on. Um, if anybody knows, let me know. Matthew and Ethereum is at $3,855, down 5.6%. Binance Coin is at 543 down 3%. Tether's in the number four spot, and Solana's in the number five spot, down 10% at 183. Running off the top 10, we have Cardano, USDC, XRP, Luna, and Polkadot. Total market cap, we're at 2.26 trillion, a BTC dominance of 40.2, and an F dominance of 20.1. And now, without further ado, Scott Cipollino, writer from Decrypt, and his biggest news stories of the year. Enjoy. Scott Cipollina, Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you too, Matthew. Thanks for having thank, me. Thank you. And you know what? We just argued offline. I want everybody to know that we argued off- offline because this is not the new year yet. But I said Happy <laughs> New Year to you and you wouldn't say it back to me. So we had to argue. So now I said, you know what? We're putting this in the show because I was so pissed off. I was like, Scott, just let me make the damn show. And well, friends argue sometimes. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you're, look, you have a, a specific set of year in review theme articles here. And it's all about the environment. You're looking at the year of environmental talk, Bitcoin mining, companies taking Bitcoin, maybe not taking Bitcoin anymore because of the environmental impact. That might be hypocrisy. And, oh, am I talking about Tesla? Yes, I am. (laughs) Tell me about Tesla, sir. Yeah, well, I mean, I just looking back as everybody is doing on the year and thinking about what the biggest stories were. And very quickly, I remember that, you know, there's been a trend here. It's not just standout articles per se, but one of the biggest issues in the crypto industry generally has been Bitcoin's relationship with the environment. Um, and that really came to a head, I think, 
in May, when, we'll just backtrack a little bit here, in February, uh, Tesla announced a, a huge $1.5 billion investment into Bitcoin. Um, everybody, you know, people consider this to be one of the most bullish signs, or at least at the time, the most bullish sign Bitcoin has ever, has ever sort of enjoyed. And then three months later, Musk um, does this now infamous U-turn on Bitcoin and says that Tesla will no longer be accepting Bitcoin um, as payment due to its environmental impact. Uh, he said, obviously, keep in mind that Tesla here is an electronic car company. So the, you know, the tension is, is obvious, really. Um, and he said that, you know, he was concerned about the rapidly increasing use of fossil fuels for Bitcoin mining and transactions. He also said, and we all know that the that, that Elon is, um, you know, folk, folks that are frequent listeners to this podcast will know that Elon is a, a big cryptocurrency fan, generally speaking. Um, and he admitted that at the time. He said that cryptocurrency is a good idea. I'm quoting him here. Uh, on many levels, and we believe it is a promising future, but this cannot come at great cost to the environment. And since then, obviously, Elon being the name that he is, the Time Magazine Person of the Year for the year, um, you know, that sort of really led this resurgence to a debate about Bitcoin's impact on the environment. And I think that that's been, as I said, one of, if not the biggest um, theme across Bitcoin for the year, at least for me. But I want to point out that Elon Musk didn't automatically just not start uh, take Bitcoin for purchases of his Teslas because he figured it out for himself. He got a lot of blowback from environmentalists and the in Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is really I think Tesla's decision in February, and then Tesla's decision again in in May to reverse course on Bitcoin. I think both of those were were real sort of watershed moments for the cryptocurrency. And as you say, when when the news came out in February that Tesla had invested such a large sum into the cryptocurrency, there were so many climate activists and, and you know, concerned environmentalists and also just generally folks that were, who are opposed to Bitcoin and also the crypto industry more generally that, that really sort of weighed in on, on Elon and criticized him loudly. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, both the investment announcement in February and then the fact that Tesla reversed course in May, those were two huge moments. I sort of think of them as one, really, because, you know, the crypto industry moves so quickly, February to May, um, you know, that 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 was just such a huge story at the time. And it's it's persisted. Elon has has had a, a big involvement in, in crypto since then. And every now and then we we hear how he's intrigued by potentially other crypto projects that maybe have a bit of a, uh, you know, a lighter carbon footprint or are greener in one way or another. So, again, you know, this has just been a, a theme that's run through the whole year. And I want to make sure that everybody understands when you say Elon Musk reversed course doesn't mean that he sold his Bitcoin or Tesla sold their Bitcoin. He just reversed course on allowing people to buy his Teslas, the autos yes. with Bitcoin. And so yes. it, it back in, I would say, March, April, there used to be a button that says reserve or buy with Bitcoin for his Teslas. And well, that button disappeared. It was just a really a big deal at the time that when he this is like the first or the biggest, the most major companies who start accepting Bitcoin for anything. Nobody has said yet how many Teslas were uh, bought or sold for Bitcoin or with Bitcoin. Uh, I would assume that it wasn't that many. And so why I think he was probably looking at it like why take the uh, blowback from the communities uh, mm -hmm. for negligible purchases. Uh, but it was a major step for Bitcoin adoption. It showed that if a company not only wanted to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet, besides MicroStrategy, but other companies that are publicly traded, uh, that they could. And also that just a little bit of will, there's a way to accept Bitcoin for your purchases. However, 
obviously being the what it is, the ethos behind Tesla and Elon Musk, you know, looking at climate change, looking at renewable energy, looking at the future of, you know, just energy consumption and production in, in general, having Bitcoin, using Bitcoin, only Bitcoin is one thing, but using Bitcoin was thought of as hypocrisy. Yeah. And I mean, that hypocrisy is, you know, it's quite obvious. I think it, it, it would be hard to argue that that contradiction doesn't exist. I also think that you know, you you alluded to it earlier as well, where you mentioned it, that, you know, Tesla's likely the biggest company that's ever put money into Bitcoin or, or embraced Bitcoin in one sense or another. I think a lot of other companies, I'm not trying to be facetious here, but they can probably fly under the radar a little bit and and, and explore these things a little bit more mm-hmm. freely without that blowback. But Tesla, not only given the, the nature of the company, but also the name behind the company and the brand itself is so, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a global brand. Everybody knows what Tesla is. You know, it's, it's no surprise that they got that blowback. Any opportunity to give Elon Musk shit, somebody's going to capitalize off of. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. and I and I want to point this out, because there have been other companies to start accepting uh, cryptocurrencies, namely movie theaters. AMC is one of them uh, exactly. where you can, and I think Regal as well, just recently uh, started taking it as well. Uh, you can pay for movie tickets on their online stores or, or buy online or digital movie tickets in bitcoin ethereum litecoin bitcoin cash and dogecoin yeah and it's not just other companies i mean el salvador sovereign nations doing it too <laughs> and you know the 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 again the you know the controversy about bitcoin's impacting the environment and we'll we'll get to it in a bit of in greater depth now in a few moments but it, it persists but again i don't think that throughout the year we haven't really seen any intense blowback for any one particular decision or policy that surrounds bitcoin more so than than with tesla and we've seen a lot of, you know, politicians in the States, particularly that have embraced Bitcoin. Look at Eric Adams in, in New York. We look at um, Francis Suarez in Miami um, and a whole host of other folks. Ted Cruz in Texas as well has become, a, you know, one of one of the one of Bitcoin's loudest advocates in Congress. At least to my mind, they don't necessarily feel the same criticism or blowback about the environment as Elon Musk did. And again, that I think has to do with the fact that, you know, Tesla is the company that it is, and the contradiction is obvious, as we've said, but it's also just the, you know, the brand name and the size and, and the fact that Elon is so well-known and Tesla is so well-known. Okay, so then what is the horrible truth about Bitcoin mining? If you know we're saying this is a hypocrisy, people are saying that it's so bad for the environment, what, is, yeah. what are the facts? Well, so the way we have to get to the, to the nuts and bolts of, of how Bitcoin is mined, um, essentially what Bitcoin, for, for the folks that, that perhaps don't know, uh, the Bitcoin network runs on what's called a proof of work consensus. And what that means is that there are all these, I'll try and explain this like in, 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 in sort of layman's terms, there's, there's all these computers around the world that are conducting very complicated mathematical equations in order to secure the Bitcoin network and also to mine new blocks. And in order to do that, those computers require a lot of electricity. That electricity in turn is calculated in terawatt hours. Now, terawatt hours is a measurement that is used by um, folks who want to understand the annual energy consumption of entire countries. So terawatt hours are, are big units, right? Uh, it, what, it, it's essentially equal to the output of one trillion watts for one hour. So they're, they're huge. Um, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network, um, it's, its terawatt hour figure is essentially always in constant flux. Um, but throughout the year, it is essentially hovered, you know, and there's caveats to this, there's moments where it's dropped a little bit lower, um, but it's it's hovered around about the same figure for the year, which would put Bit- the Bitcoin network as though it was a country 
among the top 30 countries in the world by annual energy consumption. So that takes us to one step. A lot of people just, you know, they, they focus on that figure in and of itself. And while it's a lot of energy, it doesn't necessarily get you to um, bad for the environment. What gets you there, at least in my opinion, is looking at how much of the Bitcoin network is running on renewable energy sources that are obviously greener and have a lower carbon footprint than, say, coal or natural gas. The best figures that we have so far are from, I would say, are from Cambridge University, a September 2020 study that they published that said only 39% of the Bitcoin network runs off renewable energy. That is to say 61%, almost two thirds, runs off non-renewable energy like coal, like natural gas. Uh, and if you want to get into the real nuts and bolts here, I'll try and you know, go through this as, as quickly as I can. To calculate the carbon footprint of energy that is gained from non-renewable energy sources, what you've got to do is go to, for example, the US Environmental Protection Agency has one of these things. They're called carbon footprint calculators. And what you do is you convert that figure, that terawatt hour figure, and you get an equivalent figure in terms of the output of greenhouse gases. And if you run off of the figure that Cambridge University uses, which I've decided, broadly speaking, Bitcoin's annual energy consumption translates to about 60 billion pounds of burned coal per year, um, 9 million homes average electricity consumption for the year, or at one point, 138 billion miles driven by an average passenger vehicle. And for perspective, because those numbers are, are huge, and I'll stop now, uh, but Pluto's greatest distance from the Earth at any time is 4.6 billion miles. So we're talking inconceivably high numbers here, really. And so that really is where the where the controversy lies. And, and I also still want to put this in per perspective um, of what a terawatt is. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's kilowatt. We hear kilowatts quite often when we're talking about cars and their batteries. You know, if you have a, um, you know, a Tesla, I have a Tesla, it has a 82 kilowatt hour battery, you know, you fill it up, you drive 300 plus miles, then there's megawatts, which is 10 to the six, a gigawatt is 10 to the ninth. And then you have a terawatt, which is 10 to the 12. So a terawatt isn't just like, oh, a step up. It is leaps and bounds and it's exponentially bigger yeah. than any kind of uh you know power consumption that we use and yeah. just a, another comparison here uh because you know i i do have an electric car and i always wondered like oh how much electricity am i using in in general my house uses about a third of my car's battery per day so if you charge like say a tesla and uh, you could power my house off of my tesla battery for maybe uh three to four days so uh, mm -hmm. a, a kilowatt is a lot of power <laughs> in, in yeah. terms of everyday life for an individual. So a terawatt is is just insane numbers. And we're talking about the size of countries, as you said, uh, driving to yeah. Pluto. Yeah. Uh, imagine imagine doing that with kids in the backseat. <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. It's, this, is, this is a different ballgame altogether. It's like I said, this is a unit of energy that is used to track the annual energy consumption of entire countries. And if you're I mean, to my mind, that's already a red flag. You know, if you're tracking annual energy consumption in Portugal's or in Germany's, you're not very energy efficient. So um, <laughs> that is, yeah, obviously there is there is a lot of energy consumption going on here within the Bitcoin network. And yeah, I mean, we'll get, well, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead for our conversation, but eventually we'll get to the, the inevitable question that I think this discussion always gets to is whether or not Bitcoin is worth the environmental damage. And some folks say yes, some folks say no, but there is no questioning in my mind that the environmental damage is there and the energy consumption is there. And it just it doesn't really make any sense to deny that. Excuse us for a moment while we take a commercial break.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. So one thing I do want to jump to before we get into does it make sense? And then, I, of course, there's solutions and people fighting back against Bitcoin and its energy consumption. How does the U.S. play in, in this? Because... We know that a lot of mining came to the U.S. because Bitcoin was banned in China, and China was the number one Bitcoin mining mining territory in the world. It isn't anymore. It's now the U.S. So therefore, we as Americans, you're not an American, but you love American football. Um, (laughs) uh, By the way, shout out to the Browns. Never mind. I can't say shout out to the Browns. This is already a week from now. Anyway, um, (laughs) you love American football. it, it now falls into our responsibility as Americans or people within the border of the USA to really look at this more stringently uh, because now it's being produced in the mi- mining. The majority of the hash rate is now within America. So what's mm-hmm. happening with that? Yeah. So, again, this is the fact that the global Bitcoin mining industry has, has seen such a shift has been essentially because of China's crackdown on Bitcoin mining and just a bit of broader context here, broader geopolitical context as it pertains to cryptocurrencies, China had banned crypto trading, well, in China, as far back as 2017. Uh, And then this year, we saw them crack down on the practice of mining specifically. Uh, And as you said, prior to that, the Bitcoin mining scene was predominantly in China. And like, that's not an exaggeration, about two thirds, literally about two thirds of the Bitcoin mining industry was in China. Since then, Cambridge University, which, which tracks this data, they released some fresh data in October of this year that showed that the United States now holds 35 and then just yet to take over a third of the world's global Bitcoin mining industry. They share about 35.4% of the market. Um, And then behind them, you've got Kazakhstan and Russia that take second and third place with about 18 and 11% respectively. Whether or not this means that there are greener horizons in the distance for Bitcoin or not, that I suppose is still up for debate. Essentially, it it does, it, it is impacted by where Bitcoin mining takes place and what those countries' governments have done in terms of pledging for, you know, certain things like carbon neutrality and where what role they want to play in climate change. And those are the broader geopolitical issues that we're facing. In China, the monsoon season typically meant that there was cheap hydroelectric power that was available to miners, but there was also a ton of evidence of coal being used to, to mine Bitcoin. There was actually a, a coal mine that was flooded uh, at one point throughout the year, throughout 2021 in China. And what that did was it actually dropped the um, Bitcoin hash rate below figures that it hadn't seen for months prior, which sort of really highlighted how reliant fossil fuels, how reliant Chinese miners were on fossil fuels. Um, you know, in the United States, there's been a lot of concern to go around when it comes to the environmental impact of, of Bitcoin mining. We've seen what Elizabeth Warren has said, and we'll get to that again in the future. So it's something that still, you know, remains to be seen whether or not this is a net positive or a net negative for the environmental impact of Bitcoin. But again, like I said, I think that you know you you lose the the cheap hydroelectric power that the monsoon season provided miners in China. But again, there was uh, you know there's a plethora of evidence of, of fossil fuels also being used in China. So hopefully it goes the right way now that it's in different parts of the world. I think it's just obvious 
where we're going to go next is to see if this is a net positive or net negative. And honestly, that is uh, pretty subjective. Obviously, we can quote any kind of stat. All that matters with said stat is if you think it's important. Do you think uh, CO2 emissions is important? Do you think using fossil fuels is important or not uh, for the discussion? Um, I have seen the discussion of, you know, well, to secure the U.S. dollar, we have the U.S. military and they show, you know, aircraft carriers and submarines, you know, scooting around the world, using all kinds of energy to protect the United States interests. And when the interests are, is uh, the U.S. dollar and the use of an adoption of U.S. dollar in global trade and finance and mm-hmm. that, that sort of infrastructure. So the argument goes is, hey, if the United States military is the proof of work for the U.S. dollar, it, it, we're actually saving the, the environment because this proof of work mm-hmm. just by mining uh, Bitcoin with some miners and some computers is mm-hmm. a lot less energy intensive than the United States military. So I guess what I would say here is, and obviously you can argue this and I'm not going to take a side, but I am going to bring up the argument instead of mm-hmm. going down the rabbit hole of explaining the argument. Everybody gets it. It's subjective. There is no one right way to look at it, even though there's might be a more ethical way to look at it. I want to hear your opinion on what you think is the solution? Do you think Bitcoin is worth it? I obviously think Bitcoin is worth it, even though we do have to have more, you know, carbon neutral ways of energy production that goes into the mining ecosystem. What is your opinion? Well, I think the first thing I would say is that I I, I don't really agree with the, you know, the counter argument that we see often that the, you know, the proof, you actually put it in a really, really useful way there that I've never heard it before like that. But um. The proof of work system for the US dollar is the United States government and military complex. Um, while that might be true, there's no argument for me there, um, that's also true of Bitcoin. Because if at any point you have some of your cryptocurrency stolen or you enter into some, some dispute with another party, you're going to look, and this is obviously assuming that you live in the United States and you live in and you're an American, but this would be true of any other industrial military complex for anybody else living anywhere else in the world you're going to rely on those rules set by that society to enforce the value of your Bitcoin, just like you would have it enforce the value of your dollar or your pound sterling. So I think it's an unfair argument. I think it's true of, of, of fiat currencies and cryptocurrencies if and when they are ever you know, accepted into the mainstream. So that, that would be the first point I'd make. The second point that I would make would be that, yes, this is all inherently subjective. I'm reminded of a recent headline in November where the uh, Swedish financial um, supervisory authority actually called for a ban on energy intensive crypto mining, saying that Bitcoin and Ethereum mining essentially threatens the Paris climate agreement. You don't need to speculate very far to see what the Swedish financial regulator thinks about cryptocurrencies and whether or not they provide a social good. But again, you know, there are people on both sides of that debate. And yeah, at the end of the day, those things are subjective, as you say, what I'm what I'm not for is mischaracterizing this debate or pretending there isn't a problem when there very clearly is one. One of the things that I, I saw, you know, within that, to that point, there is a Bitcoin mining council that formed earlier this year. And one would argue it might've been a bit of a, a bit of a, how should we call it? Well, a bit of a reaction to Elon Musk's, you know, Bitcoin U-turn that we've just discussed. That was formed in a way to sort of pr- promote transparency into the, the environmental impact of Bitcoin. Earlier in the year, they cited a, or rather they came out with this, with this study that said that um, more than half of Bitcoin mining uses clean energy. Uh, and it cited its own analysis, its own assumptions, its own extrapolation of data to reach those conclusions 
it left the word sustainable up to interpretation. There were no precise energy breakdowns provided in the study and members of the Bitcoin Mining Council, when they joined, it, they, they only needed to provide their energy breakdown, breakdowns on a voluntary basis. So there, there may be members of the Bitcoin Mining Council that are guzzling fossil fuels that don't provide that data that in turn don't inform those studies. So methodologically speaking, that headline when it came out, and I saw it being shared widely by a lot of um, people that supported Bitcoin and supported cryptocurrencies on social media, that's just not, I don't think that's that's doing anybody any favors. It's It, it wasn't methodologically sound at all. Um, so that is what I think, you know, covering this, this specific, you know, crypto beat, that's what annoys me more than anything. It's not necessarily whether or not someone thinks that Bitcoin is worth the environmental sacrifice or doesn't. It's, do we actually have, an adequate understanding of this of this situation and you know you see again talking about the fact that this is subjective you'll see this is commonplace in any other in any other debate you'll see both sides twisting facts to suit their own narrative there are many people that are you know very loud bitcoin advocates that throw facts out the window and there are also people that dismiss for example nfts saying that they are killing the planet without knowing what the difference is between a proof of work consensus algorithm and a proof of stake consensus algorithm those two things are very different their environmental impact and carbon footprints are very different and critics of nfts perhaps don't know that um so that that's what really annoys me more than anything when people don't give proper care to the facts and that goes to our final news story of the year and that's the legislative news story about around this environmental conversation as you said giving care to the facts Elizabeth Warren has been very outspoken about the environmental impact of crypto mining. Let's uh, summarize that really quick and let me know if she's giving care to the facts. Yeah, well, um, she actually mentioned the, 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 the thing that sort of stuck out with me because she's gone after a specific Bitcoin mining company in, in, in Greenidge, which is in, or it's called Greenidge, it's in upstate New York. But before she aimed at them specifically, she actually tweeted in June. And I'll just read out the tweet because I think it's informative. She said... Bitcoin requires so much computing activity that it eats up more energy than entire countries. One of the easiest and least disruptive things we can do to fight the climate crisis is to crack down on environmentally wasteful cryptocurrencies. Now, I might risk upsetting some, some Bitcoin advocates that perhaps listen to this podcast or, or that would maybe read my articles, but she is correct when she says that Bitcoin requires so much computing activity that it eats up more energy than entire countries. That is absolutely true. It requires more energy than the majority of countries in the world. So there's nothing wrong with what she said there. It becomes a little bit more speculative whether or not you want to agree with her when she says one of the easiest and least disruptive things we can do to fight the climate crisis is to crack down on environmentally wasteful cryptocurrencies. That strikes me as likely true, um, whether or not someone thinks that's a good or a bad idea, I think in practice, one of the least disruptive things to help the climate crisis would be to crack down on cryptocurrencies. And the only reason I say that is because cryptocurrencies are not as important to us on a societal level as, say, cars are, or aviation, or the military, or anything else that contributes to the world's you know, general carbon footprint. So I'm inclined to say that that's probably true as well. Um, but again, we will always get back to the final point in this discussion as to whether or not you support what you said, and whether or not you think it's a good idea to do that. If you ask, for example, um, strikes Jack Mallers, who's been instrumental in helping Bitcoin become legal tender in El Salvador, he would laugh you out the room. He'd say that this is absurd. We shouldn't be doing this. But then if you ask, I don't know, any run of the mill cryptocurrency critic, they'd say, yes, absolutely. It's a no brainer because Bitcoin, in my eyes, doesn't serve a purpose for the world. And we should just not tolerate the carbon footprint it produces 
however negligible it might be, whether it's a big problem or a small problem, it's just not worth it. The only pushback I would get to give to Elizabeth Warren and that whole, I say, um, stream of logic is what is wasteful? And I guess this is where it comes to subjective. You said, you know, it's using as much as electricity per country or, or, or of countries. But then again, I think we have to look at the countries. Now, we're going a little bit off tax right now when it comes to just, you know, recapping our stories of the year. But this is a discussion that is not only last year, but the year before, the year before that, and probably years in the future that we're mm-hmm. going to have to hash out sooner or later. So I really want to have this. But what country are we looking at? Are we looking at the United States that uses 12,000 kilowatt hours per person on average? Or are we looking at, say, where you're from, Gibraltar, <laughs> where it is 5,800 kilowatt hours yes. per person? And so what is the metric that we're looking at? Now, American politicians will go on TV and say, Uphold the American way, the American standard, the American household, the American. But we are one of the biggest consumers of electricity in the country. And that's just to maintain our quality of life here. Mm -hmm. And the quality of life in Gibraltar is different. So when we're talking about countries, when we're talking about energy consumption, when when we're trying to make this comparison, there is a lot of wasteful energy consumption across the board, especially for developed countries, especially for developed countries. Um. Would it not be just as prudent to take the same, I guess, direct narrative and talking points to the use of air conditioning, the use, the um, use of, the use of, uh, you know, excessive uh, machines and 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 bits and bobs that you might have in your house? That the average American refrigerator uses as much electricity per year as some African countries per capita mm-hmm. per year, just the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I'm just, I'm just saying. Are we not just cherry picking the argument against cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin when we could be really looking at a lot of different aspects of how we wastefully use energy? Well, I think to to, to go to your um, first point, Bitcoin's annual energy consumption it's a hell of a lot less than the United States, and it's a hell of a lot more than Gibraltar, somewhere in the middle. So if you look at the data, um, China um, is is by far and away the top energy. Uh, annual energy consumer in the world. I think they they consume over 5,000 terawatt hours um, per year. The United States is in second by about 4,000. Then you've got India, Japan, and Russia rounding up the top five. In terms of a like-for-like comparison with Bitcoin, we're talking about countries like Argentina or Ukraine or Norway. Um, But again, it's, it's one of, you know, it's broadly within on the lower end of the top 30 countries in the world by annual energy consumption. So it's certainly not nothing. It's, it's quite a lot. And in terms of cherry picking, Again, this is just, you know, I hate to sort of just circle back to the same thing, but it just depends on what your personal view is of, of Bitcoin. If you ask somebody in Spain to give up their air conditioning in July, they'll laugh you out of the room and say, no, that's just, it's it's central to my quality of life, especially, you know, think about maybe people that are older or whatever that you know, might even run into health issues if, if they don't have something like air conditioning in their home, then that would be absurd to them. And if you wanted to ask about, Bitcoin for somebody in El Salvador, well, actually a lot of people in El Salvador, it, it's a controversial issue, but folks that that in that country are using Bitcoin now as part of their everyday and they maybe like it, they'll say, well, no, this provides a really useful part, you know, a, a useful role in my life and I don't want to lose it. So again, it just, it, it it's fundamentally tied to the utility that people subjectively assign to the cryptocurrency. And ultimately, I don't think that will ever change. I just think the most important thing would be for lawmakers like Elizabeth Warren, and I think that Elizabeth Warren does err on the side of facts on this issue. At least that's my personal view. I think that you know she's she's broadly correct on her understanding of the issue, but I just would like her and her colleagues 
in the United States and everybody everywhere else in the world to just know the facts and be sure of the facts. And whenever somebody brings up this issue, they might have a subjective view that leads them to supporting Bitcoin and one that leads them to criticizing Bitcoin. As long as we understand what the facts are and what it's what the cryptocurrency's carbon footprint is, then you know hopefully we'll come to a solution. Scott Cipollino, thank you very much for doing your urine review, talking about the environment and having this conversation with us. I'll see you in the new year, sir. A pleasure as always. Thank you, Matthew. And happy new year. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. I'll be back tomorrow with more writers and editors from Decrypt's Years in Review. Don't forget to stick around at the end of this to listen to more conversation with Scott and myself. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone. And I just want to say for the listeners, I am not taking one side or the other here. I am basically being a devil's advocate. Um, this is not this is a place for conversation and not for having, you know, staunch opinions and going hard in the paint with it. We are having a discussion here. Uh, but the last thing I do want to say with this discussion, just because I like being the devil's advocate, um, I did look up the average energy consumption of an American's refrigerator, which is 1500 kilowatt hours a year. If we're going to compare that to the average energy consumption per capita for a person in a certain country, that refrigerator in your house would be using the same amount of energy as a person in one year in Egypt. Okay, so we stopped for a little bit, Scott, and now we're back because we, we started arguing after the show. So this is going to be called the, uh, the CODA. And we're, we're talking about energy consumption when it comes to uh, Bitcoin. And we've had an argument because I, I still am or under the uh, impression that Elizabeth Warren is cherry picking Bitcoin because it is the hot topic. Here it is. Here's my statement. I want you to come back with it. So just give me a second. Elizabeth Warren, any politician that's going against Bitcoin and its energy consumption. Sure, you're you're right that there are things to look at, but it's just so minor in the, in the bigger scheme of things. Like I said, uh, uh, offline, 15 percent of all power that is being used is used by air conditioning, air conditioning around the world. 15 percent of all energy um, consumed. We're talking about production. 60% of energy is lost, either lost to the lines, lost via storage, lost be, via uh, generated and not used. So we have inefficient power grids. So if we really wanted to tackle this uh, huge crisis of using and wasting energy, there are better ways than just, you know, being a politician, looking at this uh, clip big uh, topic of Bitcoin, making some statement about it's using as much as a country, much power as a country, which is a grandiose statement, and then trying to run with it, thinking that's going to solve all of our fucking problems. The fact is, it is not. We can be looking at different things. And like you said offline, if you want to talk about best practices to solve climate change, let's look at the coal consumers. China, right. the biggest by far that you said in COP20 that they're not even going to make a commitment to actually reduce their coal consumption. They're saying that we'll think about it for the most part. And, well, yeah. Yeah. And, but, but, but that is what we're talking about is a lot of people around the world, a lot of countries that do not want to take this seriously when it comes to major changes that they can make. And Elizabeth Warren or other politicians hopping on the Bitcoin is, is destroying the world bandwagon with mm -hmm. a narrative that is only a drop in the freaking bucket when we have many low-hanging fruits. And Bitcoin is not going to stop uh, the, 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 the temperature change of the globe go from going to two degrees Celsius. It's not. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. And I don't disagree with that. Um, I think to, to, to bat for Elizabeth Warren here, I'll, I'll just reemphasize a part of, a part of 
her tweet that we that we mentioned on the podcast. So one of the easiest, and I'm quoting her here, one of the easiest and least disruptive things we can do to fight the climate crisis is to crack down on environmentally wasteful cryptocurrencies. And I think where she's coming from when she says that is that you look at you know the the, the big macro threats to climate change that we're all facing as a, as a, as a world, right? Um, and this is where we got to talking about COP26. Um, China and India caused a lot of controversy at the end of that, at the, at the end of COP26, where they um, essentially watered down a coal agreement, which, which allowed them to say that they would phase down coal rather than phase out coal. That, that, that's the precise wording um, and source of that controversy. Now, when you look at things like that, you know, climate activists, concerned citizens, whoever you might be, Elizabeth Warren, a member of Congress, will look at that and say, well, you know, these big macro problems aren't going to get fixed unless the political will that is necessary to fix them actually, you know, arises probably organically. And there's no real evidence to suggest that that's going to happen. So when you look at that and then you look at Bitcoin, you think, well, you know, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the for the, the argument that we're cherry picking. But I think what what is important to say here is that those macro threats to climate change are so huge and so seemingly immovable, they are the most urgent problem in as far as I can see in the world. Um, but up until the point where we actually come to a solution for those things, to borrow Elizabeth's wordage, one of the easiest and most and least disruptive things we can do is target some of these other low hanging through. And I, I would disagree with you that Bitcoin is in fact low hanging through when we're talking about helping the environment in one way or another, because it's not convincing China or India, who are two of the top five, China's the leading um, energy consumer in the world, India's in the top five. It's not as difficult as, as you know, enticing those governments to phase out coal. So that's, I think, where, where the Bitcoin heat comes from, because people are concerned about climate change. They want to do something. And they look at this and they say that it's absurd that Bitcoin rivals other countries that aren't as big as China and India by any stretch, but as big as Argentina and Norway, it's absurd. That the bitcoin network consumes as, as much energy as those countries and we can fix that making you know you know putting taking this a step further there are even solutions in the crypto industry itself we can talk about proof of stake consensus algorithms that we briefly touched on as well earlier they don't have the carbon footprint they don't carry the carbon footprint that the bitcoin network carries so you know i think that that that's that's really where the where the controversy comes from where the momentum to criticize bitcoin comes from i don't think i think you know elizabeth warren yeah, I think she has a very good head on her sh on her shoulders. I don't think that she thinks cranking down on Bitcoin is going to save the climate by any stretch of the imagination. It just strikes her as low hanging fruit. Uh, fruit, and I think for that, I think I think that's true. I think it is at least more so than some of these macro threats that you know seemingly they're just you know immovable obstacles. Okay, so I'm gonna make my closing statement. You can make your closing statement. Here's my closing closing statement. Uh, we are very we have a huge luxury living in the UK, you and the USA here, me. Uh, we have a lot of wasteful electricity consumption because of our quality of life. To be honest with you, I'm looking at uh, probably a dozen lights on in my house right now in rooms that I'm not even in. Why? Because they're just freaking on. Uh, not to mention my, my fridge, which is very important. We know the, the, the clocks all around, whatever. And you know what? There's probably lights on downstairs that I don't even know are on. And they're just phone, burning yeah. electricity. My, yeah. my phone, my, my Apple Watch here that's charging, my car that's in the garage charging. You know when you, what? When you email me and say that was a great podcast, you're going to be contributing to the world's carbon footprint in a very small way. But yeah, I mean, we can't escape it as people. We can't. But, but, here, but here's what I'm trying to say. I have two points. Number one, 
is that if everybody in the world, and again, we're, we're, we have a huge luxury because we're in the UK and the United States, uh, we're going to be lifted up to our quality of life. We'll be using petawatts more of electricity in the world globally. So we want people to get there. We want to do it as clean as possible. I want everybody and listeners to know right now that I am for carbon neutral renewable energy and moving there as fast as possible. But I don't like the cherry picking argument because I have a quality of life that I want to maintain. You have a quality of life that you want to maintain. And there's dozens, if not hundred or more countries around the world that don't have this luxury and that wants to be able to run their AC in the summertime because it's freaking hot in Zambia. So, <laughs> so first we have to just keep that there. People are going to want more electricity, more energy, and we have to make it renewable and carbon neutral, but let's stop t- cherry picking uh, certain energy consumptions. Number two, the gaming industry uses the 75 terawatt hours per year, and nobody is, is ter- cherry picking them saying, hey, stop playing Minecraft because it uses too much energy. It's just, we're cherry picking Bitcoin. And I think that it's, uh, it's, it's a cherry picked argument there's plenty of wasteful electricity. Is playing video games using 75 terawatt hours a year as good as Bitcoin or worse or better? All I know is nobody's talking about it. Let's talk about the gamers. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to maybe come across a little bit facetious here, but that's, you know, the Bitcoin network frequently consumes double that. Um, but again, I, I you know, I, I'm not trying to sit here and say that cracking down on Bitcoin will save the climate and save the world. It's, that's not true. It won't. But I, I certainly have some sympathy for the argument that there are easier things that we can do to help at least slow the rate of climate change. And I find it hard to criticize folks that say those things are good ideas. But again, I, I think it would be you know, naive of, of me or Elizabeth Warren or anybody else to say that if we crack down on Bitcoin, we need to st- we can stop worrying about the environment. It just it strikes me as you know, that that would be naive, but it strikes me again as, you know, to use a phrase that you used earlier, low-hanging fruit. Um, but again, I think, you know, in terms of a closing statement, regardless of where you land on the debate, all I ask is pay attention to the facts. Don't turn a blind eye to the fact that Bitcoin does consume a ton of energy. And given per the best data that we currently have, the fact the network consumes a lot of energy from non-renewable energy sources that in turn contributes to a hefty carbon footprint. Don't ignore those things. You need to be equipped with the numbers and the facts and know the studies in order to actually come to a solution one way or the other. Don't just paper over those things and, and, and pretend that we're coming to progress because we won't make it that way. That would be my closing statement.